Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome into another edition of the Hoist the Colors podcast. I am Stephen Igo. Excited to bring you a fresh edition of the HGC pod. Of course, I often get up here talk a lot, break down a lot of the games, breaking news, etc. But today is more about bringing you two in-depth interviews with now former Pirates. Tyler Sneed, ECU receiver who just declared for the NFL draft. We go through his decision, dive into his career at ECU, Obviously, an opportunity to come back for two more years, he elected to move on and give his chance at the pro level. So you'll get, you'll hear uh, what went into that decision, why he decided to move on, already having graduated this past spring, already having played four years at ECU. Uh, graduating, moving on is one of the top receivers statistically in ECU history. Played a big role, obviously, in this past year, 7-5 of five, kind of breakthrough campaign for Mike Houston in his third year as the team's head coach. So we'll talk to Tyler, and then we've also got six-year ECU linebacker and Ramsour lined up as well. We'll close the show with Aaron. Really in-depth interview. Always enjoy talking to Aaron. Uh, both these guys, Tyler and Aaron, were, were class acts. I remember covering them uh, early in their career at ECU. Obviously, with Aaron being the scholarship player at a high school, I remember talking to him after his commitment back when Scotty Montgomery first got the job. And, man, it's crazy how time flies. But I hope you guys enjoy these two interviews. We'll start first with Tyler Sneed as we go in-depth on his career and his decision to move on to the NFL draft. All right, joined now by former ECU receiver Tyler Sneed. Tyler, it still feels weird to say that, man. I'm talking to a... A few of the seniors as well that are moving on from ECU this week, and it's uh, it's strange to call you guys former Pirates, but but that's that's what it is, man. So uh, we'll, we'll go through your 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 draft decision, kind of your career at ECU. But uh, first off, take us through kind of your early prep for now that you're done with with ECU, done with school. Kind of what, what's your day to day like right now? Um, well, I'm just out training for all the all the draft stuff and the combine stuff. Um, I'm out here in Tampa. Um, today, I flew out yesterday, so today was my first day. Um, went to the field early and then got a lift in. And then tomorrow we got it at 6.30 uh, a.m. So I'm excited for it. Um, I'm ready. Uh, I think we go six days a week. So, Who are you training? Are you training like with a specific uh, trainer that you kind of got hooked up with? Walk us through that and how that process came about. 
Yeah, so I'm uh, training at a facility called House of Athletes, and uh, Yo Murphy is, I think, the head guy that's kind of running and working with us. So uh, I'm really excited today. I thought it was a good day. I really learned a lot from him and all the other staff. All right, well, let's dive into this decision, man. Obviously, uh, I know it wasn't one that was made easy by, by yourself and your family. Uh, when, you, when you decided to go to the, to the NFL drafts, uh, take us through when that process started and, and what went into that decision. Um, you know, it started just kind of whenever we had that break from uh, December right before the bowl game, um, went, went back home, just kind of talked with my family. Um, and that's kind of the first time that it was like, actual reality that it popped in my head and it was like we need to give this some serious thought um and then so up until then all the way until I guess I made the decision um it was just a long tough process uh I did a lot of praying a lot of talking with my family and I just called a lot of people that I you know respected and trusted and you know I just got to the point where I just felt like God was leading me in this in this path uh and down this road and I wanted to go take my shot at it how much, obviously, you, the fact that you, you got your degree, I mean, th this past spring, that's kind of uh, the big goal for every student athlete coming to college. And to do that and also to, to have the production you've already put up, you know, the consistency. And I heard you talk about this with Clip Brock on Pirate Radio. You know, you may not ha have been able to raise your stock anymore. Right. Were those two things kind of the biggest fa uh, factors in terms of wanting to just, you know, go ahead and start your pro journey? Yes, sir. You know, my mom is big on education and stuff like that. So um, I was glad to just graduate that, um, graduate with honors. The honors college was great to me. Um, but and then just like like you mentioned, the the stock not rising, um, that they both played a big role. Um, and at the end of the day, they did play a role, but I just felt like, this is what God wanted me to do. I kept praying for confirmation and just kind of, you know, what does he want me to do? What does he want for me? And I just felt like I got that confirmation. I got a sign from from him. And, you know, I just decided to take my shot um, and follow his path. On the flip side of it, Tyler, how hard was it to, to walk away, you know, from ECU? You know, you may have been done with your education in terms of your undergraduate degree and honors college, but you guys could have been pretty good next year with you in the slot. They can be pretty good without you, I think. But just how, how hard was it to walk away from that? It was really hard. You know, um, I called when I when I made the decision, I went and called some teammates. Uh, and that was tough, you know, talking with them, talking with Holton. And then I went and I met with Coach Houston and some of the other coaches. And so doing that in person was hard. Um, and that was tough. But at the end of the day, everybody was really supportive. Um, and they're just really happy, and I'm excited to cheer them on next year. I know they're going to do big things. I know Coach Houston has this program heading in the right direction, so I'm excited to see it. When you look at the receiver position after your departure, I mean, you played almost all the snaps. You, you got like 25% of the targets at ECU this past year. You know, we maybe haven't seen a lot of the guys that, that work behind you uh, due to how much you played. Can you kind of give us a scouting report on maybe who to look out for, who, who to watch for going forward? Oh, yeah, we're going to be good. We're going to be just fine. You know, we got Macy O'Donnell uh, in the slot, and he kind of does running back too, so he can do both. Um, Jari Patterson, transfer from Marshall, he looked really good uh, this past year. And you got guys like Kerry King who can do inside and outside and Josiah Hatfield who can play the slot. So I said it 
it earlier, uh, you know, in, in interviews during the season, but, but we just got depth there. And, you know, when it's time for somebody to step up, anybody can step up. Anybody can come from the outside um, and play the slot, like Taji Hudson, CJ Johnson, all those guys. So we're going to be fine. I mean, it, I'm gone, but that's, that's not stopping them. You know, that's an opportunity for somebody else, and they're going to be good. They're going to take it and run with it. I'm excited to see it. Tyler, when you made the announcement, obviously a lot of ECU people were, were supportive. Some were saying, hey, he should have came back, that sort of stuff. You know, will he make it in the NFL? You know, I, I know that stuff has to drive you a little bit, uh, probably similar to how it drove, you know, your friend Blake Prohl. Do, do you use that as motivation at all going into this process? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know it's a long shot, and I know, you know, I'm going to have to work for it. No, no. No doubt, but in my I feel like over my career of playing football, you know, God's kind of prepared me for that every step of the way, whether it's been high school, you know, going to college, um, and now this step. Um, so I'm I'm ready for the challenge. I think I'm up for it, but it definitely adds adds a little chip. We call it me and my dad call it a boulder on the shoulder because um, the chip's too small, a boulder. But uh, no, I mean I'm excited for it. it. Definitely drives me, but at the end of the day. Whatever guy's plan is for me, that's what I'm going to do. What type of feedback have you gotten early on as far as, like, you know, what your your draft position may look like as far as, it, you know, are you looking at a potential late-round pick, undrafted free agent? Like, what's kind of your goal there? You know, um, we've heard a lot of undrafted free agent. Um, we've heard, at best, a day three um, draft. But, you know, wherever I fall, whether it be drafted, which would be a huge deal, or – undrafted free agent or even camp invite. I mean, I just want to go in there and work and prove myself to whoever whoever picks me up and chooses me. You know, guys like yourself, slot receivers, have really kind of carved out a niche in the NFL, not only in college, but are there any guys you, you watch growing up in terms of playing that role that you've kind of uh, done over your, your career? Yeah, you know, I, I watched Wes Boker a lot when he was with the Patriots and the Broncos who – as your team, I guess. So I watched them both, both in there, both teams. And then obviously just guys like Edelman and Cooper Cup and Cole Beasley, guys like that, you know, the guys that kind of paved the way for the slot. I've, I've studied them. Uh, we had film back at ECU of just those guys. So I'll go in there and watch them a lot. Um, so I feel like I've learned a lot from them, but I still have a lot to learn too. So I'm excited. All right, Tyler, let's go back to your journey through ECU, man. Uh, let's talk about your career at ECU. We'll, we'll start first. I know we've gone over this before, you know, you and you and me and for articles and stuff. But let's talk about it for the podcast. Uh, you came as a walk-on from Millbrook High School with Scotty Montgomery staff. Take us through that process, how you got hooked up with their staff and, and what led you to East Carolina. So um, back, back in Millbrook High School, I had a teammate, Donovan Noel, O-lineman who committed to ECU. He had a bunch of offers, and so ECU would always come and see him and visit him, and, uh, you know, my coach would always tell him about me, um, and so they would bring me in the office, you know, kind of talk to me. They came to a game. Um, I did good that game, and so that's when they said, you know, he has a preferred walk-on spot if he wants it. So then, you know, I just felt like out of all the other schools, the recruiting process for me was like really tough just because I felt like I could play at that level, um, but I wasn't being given a shot from anybody. So when ECU gave me that one, I was like, man, I'm, I'm ready to go now if I can. But uh, no, I mean, they, they throughout the whole process, they were really supportive and just gave me a spot and gave me a chance. And that's all I could ever ask for. 
and you obviously end up making a pretty big impact. The end of your true freshman year, you end up stepping into some big roles the, the next year. What do you remember about – let's go back to that Memphis game, man. You kind of came out of nowhere for a lot of ECU fans scoring your first touchdown. Like, did you know that you had a chance to, to play a pretty big role that week uh, of your true freshman season? Um, he told me going into the week, he said, look, you need to learn all the plays. You need to study the game plan, do all this. He said, you're going to get a shot this week. And so I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know if it was going to be like a play, two plays. I didn't really know, um, but I was prepared for it. Um, and so during the game, I still remember my first play. I went in motion around the quarterback, like a like kind of a swing motion. And I didn't even realize the defense was there. It was just so crazy that I was out there um, at that time. But um, after that first play, it was just like another game, um, just at a higher level um, and just, you know, with better athletes, better players. So I was excited. Uh, they did tell me before, though, that I was going to go in and, you know, the rest is my story, I guess. Yeah, you end up becoming obviously a focal point of the offense the next few years. Uh, Tyler, the back-to-back games, I think it was SMU and UConn. You had like 19 catches at SMU, I think 16 against UConn. Uh, Mm -hmm. What was it at the end of that year that just led you to have so much single, you know, individual success in those two games? Well, I couldn't do it without Houghton and the offensive line and just all my other teammates. But, um, you know, just leading into those games, it was just like, a regular game plan, um, just a lot of RPOs, a lot of, a lot of different stuff that we like to hit. And I mean, they were open, they were giving them to us. And so we just kept taking them, uh, for both weeks. And so that's really, it wasn't anything crazy or special that I did. It was just everybody doing their job and everybody getting in the right place at the right time, the line holding up, the backs picking up protections, holding, getting the ball there. I mean, just stuff like that. Yeah, those are two phenomenal performances. Uh, and, and Italia, you obviously – you guys were, were close to turning the corner in terms of wins and losses in 2020, but it, it officially happened in 2021. Mm-hmm. And that that had to be, I mean, so rewarding for you guys. Y'all put in so much work. Y'all heard so much talk about, you know, the, the losing, the, the you know, putting all the work but not getting over the hump. You know, what were those moments like when y'all come back and beat Marshall, when y'all beat Memphis to clinch a bowl game, you beat Navy – uh, you had that awesome catch where it was almost a, a pick, but it was still a catch. Yeah. Like, those moments had to be so rewarding. They were, and they were really special to share with those guys, um, especially from the 2018 class and the older guys, uh, 2017, 2016, I guess. Just really special for us because we had been there through the whole through the whole process and the turning point, and we waited so long for it. So it was just special to share with those guys and special to share with the whole team and the freshmen and the staff just – because that is the turning point. And I believe next year that we're going to be better and that we have a shot to play for a conference championship. There's no doubt in my mind. So I'm excited to see it, but I was really glad I got to be a part of that process and a part of that turning point uh, in the program. With the bowl game cancellation, Tyler, that was pretty unfortunate because, you know, it, it ends up being your last game with Cincinnati instead of maybe a bowl game. Did you know that at that moment you were you were maybe likely leaving or was it still kind of up in the air? Kind of talk about the emotions of, of that cancellation versus Boston College. Yeah, no, it was it was still up in the air on my decision. Um, but I was just really upset that I didn't get to play with those guys one more time for the seniors, uh, like Bruce Bivens, Fernando, Fry, Sean Bailey, those guys, because 
that would have been their last game and it, it got taken away from them. So I was upset because of that. And then, you know, obviously I wanted to play another game, uh, especially ACC school, uh, first bowl game, you know, a lot of emotions were there that day. Um, and I didn't, I had no idea that that would be my last game. Like I said, uh, it was a long, tough process, but at that point, you know, it was still up in there. I had no idea. Tyler, you got to be probably the only ECU receiver, I think, to throw three uh, three touchdown passes. Um, <laughs> any of those stand out as your favorite one? I have a favorite one. I'll let you go first. Uh, any any of the ones that, that are your favorite individually from what you did? Um, it was cool because the first one, the first one ever, I was so glad we finally called it. And so I, we called it. I knew – I knew it was going to work because we had practiced it every week so so much, and we just were waiting to call it. And uh, he called it in. I got to throw it to Blake, who's my roommate at the time. So that was a special one. But, I mean, that South Carolina one, to start the game off, that was special to the side. I mean, I just threw it as far as I can, and he ran and got it. I mean, you can't out-throw that kid. And then, I mean, even Marshall, they were all special. Marshall was a you know, we needed that touchdown. We needed the score, and Holden did most of that on his legs uh, or with his legs. But I mean, they were all special to me. Yeah, the one, uh, the one Hatfield though, that was a that was a dime, man. That was a <laughs> that was one of the the better throws I've seen. Um, my boy uh, Ronnie Woodward from the Reflector, he uh, he he actually picked up on a tell, Tyler, that you would take off your glove. Uh, I think pre-snap when you were going to throw it, but nobody ever picked up on it. We picked up on it. Uh, was that was that uh, something that you tried to discreetly do before the snap? Yes, sir. So SMU, I had done it, um, and that was the first time we ran it. So I kind of tried to hide my hand, uh, like by my hip. And then South Carolina, I remember, I was like, man, I don't know if they're going to notice or not. So I remember I had to warm up the whole, like go through pregame warm up, all with no gloves. Uh, no nothing, acting like I would play with no gloves, did the first kickoff, no gloves. And so then I knew we were calling it first play, so I was like, I'm ready to go. And then Marshall, like, I just tried to hide that one too. I did do it every time, though. Um, I'm surprised they didn't pick up on it. But, no, that is funny. I, I, I took it off every time. Okay. It worked. It worked good, man. So yeah, uh, it ended up working out. Uh, Tyler, when you look back at whether it be those plays or just a single game or a catch or anything – does one moment stand out for you? Is it more just kind of the, the relationships, everything you built uh, throughout your time in Greenville? The relationships and the brotherhood we had in that locker room. I mean, that was special. Um, and that's something I'll never forget and I'll always cherish, especially with those guys. I mean, I love all those guys in there. Um, but if you're asking for a special moment, when we got that sixth win against Memphis uh, to become bowl eligible for the first time since, what was it, 2014? I mean, that was that was a special moment for me and for all those guys and for the staff, just because all the hard work over the past three, four years had finally paid off. And we knew we were going to a bowl. Um, we knew we earned that extra game. And so that was just a special moment in that locker room and in that moment, especially the way the game ended. I mean, that was a crazy game. That was probably one of the craziest. That in Navy was probably the craziest I've ever played in. So just added to it. Tyler Sneed, you finished top five in receptions, top ten in receiving yards and touchdowns of ECU history, man. Uh, phenomenal career. Yeah, I selfishly wish you would have came back just so we could have seen you in the purple and gold, man. But, hey, I'm looking forward to, to your pro journey. Whatever's next, man, we're supporting you. So, 
best of luck. And you were always a class act with us in the media. So uh, we appreciate everything over the years, man. But best of luck. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate everything you did. That's Tyler Sneed. Thanks again to Tyler for taking the time to go through his process and his decision. And, and, you know, Tyler was always great with us. He really was. And, um, you know, he's got a lot going on now. Down training in Tampa still took the time to reach back out and uh, talk uh, about his decision, his pass at ECU. So I really appreciate Tyler and his uh, his respect for what we do and also just being an awesome guy. Really wish him the best going forward. All right, let's transition now to Aaron Ramstor. Again, played his full six years of eligibility, of course, getting the extra year with COVID due to the 2020 season, but deciding to come back, finish out his career. And, you know, I, I, I told Aaron this after the interview. I didn't want to bring it up during the interview. wanted to try and keep it professional, but, man, I got no – there's nobody, no single player that I've covered that I've gotten more questions from fans about, about why isn't this guy playing more. And it's because when Aaron Ramsour was on the field, consistently made plays, consistently made tackles, was one of the highest graded players per pro football focus. He was just everywhere. So uh, when he was on the field, he was he was an exciting player to watch. One of the, you know, the fastest uh, linebackers ECU's had as far as triggering versus the run in particular that ECU's had in some time. So Again, really appreciate Aaron's time, and let's hop into this interview. We talk about his past, what led him to ECU all six years, and more. Here is Aaron Ramsour. All right, I'm joined now by Aaron Ramsour, the former ECU linebacker. It's, it's weird to say that, Aaron. Six years in the books. Uh, we, you know, we're going to go through kind of every step of your career, man, but uh, I want to first start with you know, the most recent unfortunate situation that happened in the military bowl. You guys were up in Annapolis, Maryland, get ready to play the the military bowl. You'd waited so long to play in a bowl game. You put in so much work to get there. Uh, take us through the emotions of when you guys found out you weren't going to play and kind of how, how frustrating, disappointing that was. Um, it was, it was an all-time high frustration for me for the whole year. Just um, kind of anticipating a bowl game for so long. When we were first told that we would be bowl eligible after knowing like we won that game against Memphis, I mean, all energy was how we were so happy. And just leading up, we got our bowl outfits and everything. And then um, the right the day right before Coach Houston came in, talked to the team and told told us all that they forfeited out because of COVID cases. And I mean, especially for the seniors, we were all just it was a it was an emotional moment for. Me. Me, I know Bruce was sitting beside me, and I just kind of looked at him like, well, our last game was in Cincinnati. It was against Cincinnati. You know, didn't even – it hit me as soon as, you know, Coach said that. And um, so it was just an all-time high with emotions, frustration, you know, some tears that was fought back that that was shed over that, just being a senior, being done ECU football and not having a ball game. Did y'all have any inkling that the game could get canceled going into that moment? I know y'all have to prepare like the game's going to get played, but obviously COVID was kind of yeah, well, We would hear rumors. We would hear like um, – well, not rumors, but we would hear like so-and-so got um, tested positive. And then we'd hear – oh, I, we heard somebody from Boston tested positive. And then Coach Houston let us know like, you know, 
he he warned us. He was like, you know, we, y'all, you guys just want you to be careful about how you're going because we don't want this thing to get canceled. You know, he was letting us know. He we had a meeting about it. He was like, y'all, make sure that you're wearing your mask. Make sure that you're not, you know, associating with people outside of football all that. You know, and we're we're in Washington and stuff, so they, you know, let us to still like, you know, just view Washington. But he gave us some rules to like keep us safe, but. You know, it's so happening that we still we 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 kind of had a clue, but I guess we just didn't think it would really happen until it did. Because you know, we were still we were wearing masks everywhere. Like we were, if we weren't in our um, hotel room, we had a mask on. We had um, we wasn't just like associating with everybody. I know I wasn't like just associating with everybody outside of football unless they were with football. So, you know, when he gave us the news, it was like, dang, like it was way bigger than, you know. Because obviously it's starting to start up like we knew it was starting up again, like strong, like people started catching it all around campus and stuff. So we knew. And so we were cautious about it. The fact that it still got us just shows how strong it's really coming. To I know. Just highly un- unfortunate for you guys that had, had put so much work in for that moment. Uh, I hated it for all you guys, especially the seniors. Um, was it good to at least though get – you know, the feeling of a bow week, at least leading up to it. I know maybe it wasn't like the game and everything, but was it good to at least kind of get that experience? Yeah, I, I would cherish the fact that we did go all the way until the day before. Like, I think, you know, we, we were able to like, even like we had just got there and we went home as soon as we got there. Like we were able to go there and, and, and just be in a hotel and just have that bowl feeling leading all the way up to the day before we practiced. Um, in Washington, you know, at one of the high schools. And so I think that that was really, like, even though it got canceled the day before, like, the fact that it made it that far, like, if it was going to get canceled, I'd rather make it that far than get canceled, like, earlier. You know, if you if you want to be optimistic about it, I, I believe that's my way of being optimistic about it. Like, at least I got to experience, you know, what it was like before it got, you know, the day before we made it that far. All right, Aaron, I want, to, I want to go through your career at ECU, man, but let, let's go all the way back to your recruitment. Crest High School, uh, you, were, you were looking to make a college decision, and I believe this was right after Scotty Montgomery got the job at ECU. He ended up recruiting you. You ended up coming to East Carolina. Take us back through that. When ECU got involved in your recruitment, what led you to ECU? Um, well, at first, you know, I was, I was thinking about going to Toledo, you know, and I didn't have ECU as an offer, but I did have Toledo um, as an offer. And um, I had I had the chance to go to to Shrombo. I had the opportunity to go to Shrombo, and I was um I was MVP of that Shrombo. So I believe that helped me out a lot. And then once when I got that, like it, uh, it allowed coaches to like kind of see like okay, like who is this guy? And I believe like Coach Montgomery, like ECU, they they saw they saw that I had got defensive um. MVP at Strombo and then they reached out to me like probably weeks later or a couple a few weeks later you know and and I already knew like once when I talked to like when I talked to coach and all that I was like well you know they they're going to give me a chance and they and they want to give me this offer so um you know I, I feel like I'm gonna wait for a little bit but I thought about it I was like you don't know what I'll check them out. I checked out the school and I just, I was looking, I did a lot of like that time being because the day that they gave me that morning, they gave me the offer. I, I committed that day, that day, that night. 
because I was just looking at the school and I was like, yeah, like I, I think I like I didn't even go to a, I didn't even go to a, like a, you know, to to official visit yet. My official visit was after I committed. So, um, yeah, I just I felt like this is God's plan. Like they reached out to me. Felt like I prayed over it. I felt like this is where God wanted me to be, and so that's what I chose. You ended up red shirting in 2016. I remember that year, you know, hearing from talking with sources around the program, they were close to it at one point, at least thinking about playing you as a true freshman. They ended up red shirting you. Then the next year, 2017, you end up playing. And I, I remember the Temple game. Uh, you got your first career pick, I believe. Uh, those early years at ECU. Yeah, yeah. Those early years at ECU. What do you what do you remember about those? Maybe red shirting, going through some of that transition and then finally getting your chance to play. Yeah, I remember red shirting and then like leading up to that moment when I first got my first start. You know, it was just like developing my body more. They I feel like they felt like they had the players that they needed in order to get to let me, you know, develop myself a little bit more. And after that, like and obviously like I you know, I, I would like to think that I'm like ready anytime, but you know, after that 2016 year leading into 2017, um, you know, I was starting in the spring. I had went made it to a starter spot in the spring and then on um, position change right at the beginning of the season of that season. And I went back to to linebacker because at first I was playing a dog position, like outside linebacker type position. Then I moved back to linebacker. Um and then I was with the twos and then I made my way to starting there and had my first start. And that was like the best day of my life. You know, one of the games that I always remember because obviously my first start, I had double digit tackles and I always loved that a stat like more than 10 tackles. And, you know, I got a pick. And so, you know, that was uh, one of the one of the games that I'll probably never forget. And it was just just looking back like, wow, it, I can't believe it was like, what, five years ago, six years ago. I can't believe it was so long ago because I remember it like it was at least like a two years ago or something. So that just shows how, how much time flies and how much I'm just thankful that I, you know, it's it's been a long time coming, you know. 2018, you guys get a new defensive coordinator, uh, David Blackwell. And I remember you really kind of thriving in that defense. And I remember the North Carolina game, y'all won. I know the, the A&T game to start the season was frustrating, but you remember that UNC game? Um, that was a that was a big win. That was a great crowd, and maybe kind of one of your first tastes outside of maybe the NC State game in '16, where you kind of got a feeling for like just how important ECU football is to Greenville. Do you kind of remember that game, that atmosphere, and everything? Yeah, I I just remember like the uh, obviously I remember some plays that were made during that game. You can't forget some plays that were made against UNC, but um, <clears throat> just remembering the crowd, like, I feel like that that was their the highlight of the you know just being UNC and stuff like that obviously the year didn't come out as it as we wanted it but for that time being when we beat EC when we beat uh, UNC I remember you know Greenville was just they were on all-time high and I'll never forget that and you know that was I remember Coach Mo just getting lit like he was yelling at the fans like let's go and everything and you know that was just a hype moment because that was that was one of those games where where it's it's a battle of the North Carolina, like, you know, so I think that was I just remember it being everybody loving, you know, ECU for that time being once when we beat them. It was it was a it was a good time to live in a moment for that. You guys 
you know, really all the positions, but especially linebacker, D coordinator, y'all had like so many position coach changes, coordinator changes. Like you mentioned the position changes. Like y'all had, it felt like every year it was tough to get into a rhythm because there was some type of change going on, especially from like 2016 to 2019. Was that maybe one of the toughest parts as players? Like you can never find any continuity over that time. Was, was that difficult to handle? Most definitely because, you know, learning a new playbook is, is not, it's not hard, but learning a new playbook every year is like, all right, new playbook, new playbook. And then you're playing against teams that might be in the same playbook Obviously, other teams, they transition as well, but you're playing against teams that might be in the same playbook for, like, two to three years. And after that first year of being in a playbook, everything else is, like, you know, really first six months, really. But going into a second year within the same playbook, that's, like, a head start on everything, you know. And I felt like that was one thing that I always wanted to experience. I was able to experience it with Coach Harold because he, he was here twice, and so we had the same playbook twice. But, you know, just being a part of a team that, like, where, you know, a new coach come in, you know, it's it's kind of frust- it's frustrating and scary at the same time, but, you know, you have to adjust. And, I mean, that's what you do. You adjust and you, um, you throw away the old playbook or put it to the side. It's time to, to learn a new playbook, but, you know, it's like starting over, like fresh start, new um, terms. Some terms are like the same, but for the most part, like new terms and all that, and you just you gotta put aside. It can be frustrating at times, you know, but it's it's adjustable. It it happens. Twenty nineteen was another one of those years you, you guys learned a new defense under Bob Trot, and I remember you were just starting to play really well. I think you came on a blitz maybe and 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 got blocked or something. You ended up uh, hurting your knee and cost you the rest of the year. Uh, take us through that moment because that, that was, I know, frustrating for you, man, to, to have to deal with a serious injury like that. Yeah, it was it was pretty frustrating because, you know, I, um, I had just came off of a what I thought was a, a decent game. I had played against UCF the, the, the night before. I had 14 tackles, um, I think like two tackles for losses and – I'm not sure. Maybe a sack. I'm not sure. I forget. I think I had a sack too. But you know, just 14 tackle game, and that was my that was one of my first starts in a while. And um, you know, after that, you know, I didn't go into like the I think the next game I didn't go into like the second quarter, and then I had got two tackle for losses. So I was like, all right, I gotta, you know, I want to make plays right away, and and help my team. And then that happened. I messed up my leg, and that was I didn't know. Like, the way it felt, I didn't know that was going to be the end of my career. So, you know, I believe that was the scariest moment of my life. And I remember, like, just crying in, in a tent beside the game. I remember crying because I was like, dang, well, I don't know if this is going to be my last, you know, if that was my last time playing because, you know. And just just the thought of that, like, being able to, when I, they told me I tore my ACL and everything, they told me that, like, I, I could possibly be back the next year. Obviously, COVID have, didn't happen yet, so we didn't know about COVID, but I had got even an extra year because my the thing about me was I knew that I was going to go into a year still not fully developed. Like, my knee was still going to give me problems, but that extra year from COVID allowed me to be able to play and then do that. But that was most definitely the scariest moment of my life, I, I'd say, within my career. And I hate it happening because I wanted those games. Like, obviously, I want, I want to put as much film as I can on tape and and play with my brothers as, as much as I can and play the game as, as much as I can. So 
that was that was a good moment. You got you end up coming back and, and kind of worked your way back throughout the 2020 season. You mentioned Lake Carroll. You finally got that second year. You had to deal with all the COVID mess in 2020, and then you got the second straight year in the same system, same position coach. And how much did you benefit and enjoy just kind of playing? Obviously, y'all had a deep linebacker room with you, Bruce, Miles, Xavier. But how much did you kind of benefit from finally getting that stability at linebacker? Um, I would say that it was – I would say that, it, you know, it was just the just the experience just playing around, playing with those guys and being in the same um, – being in the meeting room with those guys and just in the locker room with those guys and playing with them and – and all of us, you know, a lot of talent, obviously, in the linebacker room kind of made it, you know, kind of made it fun and it made it enjoyable to know, like, OK, like, you know, he goes out like we can have we can give each other rest and, and be there for each other. You know, if one person um, it gets tired within the game, say a long drive, um, you know, you have that trust for the next guy to go in and, and take the drive. And so. Always having depth is, is always good to keep like guys fresh and all that, and that I believe that was coach's goal and keep guys fresh and everything, and and it kind of happened that way. And so, yeah, like being in the locker room with those, being in the in the meeting room, being in the position, being playing linebacker with those guys, Miles, Bruce, Xavier, it's just it's fun. It's like playing with your with your best friends and, and just having fun and going out there and and ball and make you want to have the best game so you can talk about it after the game and. It's just it's a it's, it's it's like a big brotherhood between the linebacker room, even a stronger brotherhood. Twenty twenty one season, you guys end up finally getting that that success you kind of been striving for. I mean, so much work was put in, and you know, to me, is covering the team, it felt like the Marshall game was kind of the turning point as far as like when y'all truly believed that comeback. I mean, that was kind of surreal. What do you remember about that game and then maybe kind of how it changed after that? Do you feel like that was maybe the turning point and kind of this turnaround? Yeah, seeing guys on the sideline when that game was looking like it, it could be over, seeing guys like on the sideline um, just kind of – they never lost like faith within the team. They kept their composure and, and, you know, seeing guys not break down, not lose their mind and – they were just optimistic about the, the whole, throughout the whole game about like, you know, it's okay. Like we got this, like just stay locked in. Seeing Holton, Holton came to the defensive guys and was like, y'all, we're going to, we're going to make this comeback. We're going to win this game. You know, just, just stay in there. We got this. And and just seeing him, he, him, he um took it up a notch and the defense took it up a notch and, and really went out there to play. And, and just that, like just seeing that, I believe that's when it did start when, when guys start realizing, like, okay, like it's it's up to us. Like, the only person that can beat us is ourselves, and and I believe realizing that is what kind of helped us to realize, like, you know, going into practice and on, like, okay, we gotta perfect this whatever we can in practice because obviously, you know, the games that we looked at where we lost, it was something small, a big play or something that we lost, a mental mistake, something like that. So. You know, obviously we have control over winning and losing. Like we we have the guys in the locker room, we have the guys on the team that can that to give us a winning um a winning season. We just need to, you know, obviously just just lock in, like lock, fully lock in and um and perfect what it is that we that we're messing up on. And I feel like once when we realized that that Marshall game when we made that comeback, it was like we can do whatever we want. We just gotta we gotta really um perfect what it is that we that we're that we're that we might struggle on and, and go into the game knowing that we can that only person that can beat us is ourselves. 
you guys end up winning that game and then end up having two of the other more dramatic wins I've covered in terms of the Memphis game coming down to the two-point conversion. Also, the Navy game, you guys get over the hump there as far as finally beating Navy. Uh, I remember being on the, the field post game, Aaron, for the uh, for the Memphis game. Y'all had to get Mike Houston doing a TikTok. So, uh, <laughs> what was that post game celebration like? Because y'all had finally reached bowl eligibility, and man, that was a that was a celebration for the ages, right? Yes, that was, I mean that's been the goal. That's been that's been the goal for the longest. So we got Coach Houston. I'm surprised. I think Coach Houston. He just he has a he just has a brain where he we taught him to dance one time and he. And he got it the first time. I'm like, so it didn't. We ain't like we had to go like president. So he, we got him to do the little TikTok dance. We really had to. We had to ask him in front of his wife. His wife um, encouraged him to do it. I believe. I believe his wife encouraged him to do it. Uh, she was um, standing beside. She was watching, and uh, and the other guys were watching. So, you know, just get him to do that. And Xavier was like, let's let's do this TikTok. And so I was like, Bet, let's do it. Let's get Coach Houston. And, I mean, I thought it was pretty funny. And just the whole celebration, like, the whole team was just lit off of knowing that we're bowl eligible and everything. We were uh, – and I, I forgot that. I thought people were like – when they put out cigars and stuff, I'm like, what is this? Like, I thought, you know, I forget that teams actually, like, teams do that. They pull out cigars. So, it was just funny. It was a funny moment. I was laughing at all the guys. They, they over here, you know, getting on Snapchat, getting on Instagram live and just – having fun. We just all celebrating. It was, it was a good moment. And, you know, seeing coach Houston, seeing happy he was knowing that that's been a goal for him with this program for all of us, you know, it was just a, it was just a good moment for all of us and a happy moment for all of us. Good memory. Six years in the program, Aaron, I mean, just staying college football, it's so easy to, to walk away, transfer, go somewhere else. You know, what was it about East Carolina that, that made you really want to stay those six years? I mean, there, there there aren't very many of you guys left. Sean Bailey, obviously a six-year senior too. Fernando Fry stuck around. Bruce Bivens stuck around. I mean, it could have been easy for you to maybe say, hey, I want to play somewhere else. What made you want to stay at ECU? Well, first I love, you know, I, I really love this program. I love East Carolina. I love the university. But it was, it was another thing, you know, like just being a part of a team that was like, obviously that didn't do well you know with um in the past years you know you don't want to I didn't want to leave like that in me I, I took it kind of personal because you know I was um coach Mo's first recruit ever you know well I was his first recruit as a head coach you know so I took that as like you know I don't want to I don't want to leave and and have people you know I don't want people to think that like you know that I, I just want to leave that out. like you know and it's all business and everything but I love ECU enough to like stay and obviously like go through the hard times I believe that you know going like hard times is it, it'll it'll come to pass if you put the work in and everything and you know I wanted to, to be a part of a team with East Carolina I went to team with East Carolina and and so that was just the goal, and that was that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to leave East Carolina, you know, on a bad note. And you know, going to a bowl game was was kind of like a better note than in the past, you know. So, I mean, I guess it worked out a little bit. We we didn't get to play the bowl game. It would have been nice to beat Boston College in the bowl game, end it like that. That would have been a great way to end it. But you know, the fact that we made it, and 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 I guess it's there. Like, who would have won or who wouldn't have, you know? But you know, I wasn't gonna leave knowing that like you know I still want to I still want to accomplish a lot with this program 
where and you got your degree uh you, you end up finishing your, your final year of eligibility kind of what what's the goal for you next man do you want to try and play professionally what, what's kind of the progress there and then what did you tell us what you majored in kind of what you want to do professionally if football doesn't work out the next level I got you so yeah um my my goal is to most definitely um go to the league and that's been something that I've been wanting to do unfortunately like um I wouldn't say unfortunately but you know, I got my, you know, I got my degree and everything, and I would love to like sometime like have my own business. I have my degree in um, and you studies, university studies. But my goal is to is to like own my own business on uh, one day and all that. But I do want to go to the league, and you know, that's been my dream my whole life. Like I've always wanted to go to the NFL, and that's one thing I've worked towards, and that's like that's kind of what I think about every day. You know, that's something that I dream about every day. Just want to go to the league and. You know, I I, want to, you know, see where that takes me. And I'm excited to see, like, what happens. You know, nothing's promised. I I know nothing's promised, but that's always been a goal. And that'll always be the goal, you know. And I'm I'm willing to put everything that I have into it to, you know, until, like, until the time comes where it's time to hang it up. But, you know, that's been something I've wanted to do my whole life. And that's something that I want to work towards and, and I believe in myself. I feel like I have what it takes. It's just getting the right people to, just to, to you know, see it or maybe you know, analyze me or whatnot. So I don't know, but that's always the goal. And after that, um, I want to be able to, like I said, own my own business. And 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 I've been thinking about like just I've been thinking about a few things that I've been wanting to do along with that. And so I would just seeing how that goes still like still kind of deciding on that on like where I want to take it because a few ideas that I have gotcha well Aaron you, you put a lot of good tape out there man you made a lot of plays for East Carolina I think I, they have you with 200 yeah 223 career tackles uh you were one of the highest graded players for pro football focus for this defense the last few years so uh, hopefully, you know, people take notice of that and you definitely get a shot, man. But hey, either way, I respect the hell out of you guys, you know, for, especially those that, that stick around for five, six years, man. Nobody knows the work y'all put in, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears y'all put in this thing. So uh, I, I know I, I speak for a lot of people. and I can say Pirate Nation appreciates your hard work, man, and we're, we're wishing you the best of luck at the next stop, whatever it is. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Absolutely. That is Aaron Ramsour, former ECU linebacker. Thanks again to Aaron Ramsour for taking the time to join the Hoist of Colors podcast. And that'll do it for this edition. Again, two great former Pirates, Tyler Sneed, moving on to the NFL draft and hopefully getting a contract somewhere. Aaron Ramsour hoping to do the same as well, hoping to get a look in these coming months leading up to the draft process. Two class acts, two great Pirates, and appreciate them once again for taking the time to join the Hoist of Colors podcast. We'll continue to have some former Pirates on in the coming weeks, working on getting Sean Paley, another six-year senior on the show as well. We might reach out to Warren Saba, DJ Ford, John Young, some long-tenured Pirates. Obviously, DJ only playing the one year, but uh, senior Pirates and some long-tenured Pirates like John Young, like Warren Saba, and some others. So uh, we'll continue to bring you coverage on the Hoisted Colors podcast. We'll also talk some basketball soon as ECU prepares to host Memphis on Saturday. But for now, that'll do it for the HGC podcast. We'll be back with you next time. Thanks for listening.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.